Something real bad is going on down there. Yeah, we know. And you know we have to destroy it. I think you're right. I know that you know that Dresden was going to get away with it. And I didn't kill him because he's crazy. I killed him because he was making sense. Alright folks, welcome to the Man Cave Movie Review, the podcast that reviews the good, the bad, and the ugly of movies for men. This is episode 229, and today we're going to be doing something a little bit different. We're going to be talking about uh, a series, a sci-fi series that we have probably mentioned on the show in the past. It's called Expanse. And we're going to be talking about a couple of episodes uh, from the second season, and we'll be giving you a little bit of an overview of the... uh, the series if you're not aware of it or haven't heard of it and again my apologies for the last show uh we had some technical issues i was trying to do something fun and different and it failed miserably in the uh end product so i apologize for that we will make it up to you but we're gonna uh do this particular show here and talk about expanse and so i am your host steve michaels and joining me is my good and dear friend ken Ken loves uh, Ken loves Expanse. So, what do you got to say? Well, I think uh, you know Jeff and Brian recognize what I'm going to talk about, and it's you know I know that you are all ready to pull the trigger and let all of our listeners know how much you love the Expanse and think that it's one of the best sci-fi TV series out there. But I had to intervene and let you know that Steve, you're not that guy. <laughs> I am that guy. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. Yep. Well, well played. Uh, there we and we also have our, our other good dear friend, Mr. Muncie. Mr. Muncie, what do you got there? See, I, I don't have any. I have nothing. I know. Witty. I have nothing. It's, it's an off night. You don't have witty intros, and so it's like, what, what is your name? Yeah, I get it. I get it. Hey, Steve. Thanks. Um, it's been a while. Um, you know, our last podcast. Um, well, it happened, but didn't happen. So um, it's good to be back. Um, you know, Steve, um, after talking to you, uh, this last week and on text, um, I was really surprised that, um, you know, the, the, the girl that you're attracted to in this, uh, this series, it, it kind of surprises me that you have a Corgi instead of a poodle. Wow. That's, that's rough, man. <laughs> that's really rough. It's the high hair. <laughs> You got the high hat. <laughs> Holy shit. That's sorry. I love you, man. No, nope, love you too, man. All right. And uh, last and certainly not least is our very good and dear friend. And the reason that we're running this show so late is our uh, Reverend Deuteronomy Skaggs. Yeah. Uh, to quote Christian Avizarola and her, all her great, you know, and well, stated things let's get this fucking show going <laughs> <laughs> all right so we're gonna get this fucking show going uh we're gonna be talking about the expanse and this is something that just so you know um we've uh, uh, obviously since the last podcast that uh didn't go over so well uh in uh post show post editing we've been having a lot of conversations about uh sci-fi shows um, and particularly the expanse, because just you know, a little bit of background, 
guys, jump in if I'm missing up the uh, the timeline here. But this is a sci-fi uh, miniseries, or not miniseries, but a sci-fi series that came out. And the first two seasons were with them, and then they got canceled. Or I'm sorry, first three seasons, right? Got canceled. Yes, uh, yeah. they just got canceled. About well, sci-fi refused to pick them up. Right, uh, but they're in negotiations, and it looks like Amazon will be screening it. Right, and I think it's almost a done deal. Right. So this is again, this is one of those shows that um, a lot of us watch. You know, we're sci-fi fans. I mean, obviously, anybody who's been listening to the show for any period of time, if it's a sci-fi show, we're going to watch it. I think we'll get in a little bit of the the details of the uh, the show itself, but. You know, actually, I kind of want to kick this over to you to Ken or the Reverend because they've read the books. This this whole series is is based off of uh, a series of books, and those guys have read the books. They're much more well versed in this. I really kind of jumped into this show when it first came out, and I don't really know the backstory, so I really kind of want to kick it over. Ken, you you probably have words. I can talk for a minute, and uh, Brian yeah. can certainly add on. Uh, okay. Just the, the history or the development of this uh, show goes back about 20 years. And it's a very interesting story. Uh, <clears throat> there's uh, two, two guys that write it, Daniel Abraham and Ty Frank. And uh, if I understand it right, Ty Frank was sort of a computer IT type guy. And about 20 years ago, he was approached to help a project. It was going to be a, you know, Big online multi-person adventure game set in a sci-fi universe, and they asked him to like develop the background. So we developed this background of what is going on in the solar system, you know, about 250 years from now. Uh, you know, not far, far future, but pretty far out there. And it's a case where you know the, the solar system has been settled. There's a basically a three-legged power structure that's involved where you've got Earth, which is very populous, but, you know, kind of declining. You've got Mars, which is, you know, the most technically advanced and rising. And then you got the people in the outer planets and asteroid belts who are being exploited by both Mars and uh, Earth. And then he got together with Daniel Abraham. They had said, hey, this is an interesting concept, an interesting world you built. Uh, they were using it just for like a pencil and paper role-playing game, uh, you know, not that many years ago. I suspect they're playing using Traveler or some other similar role-playing system. But they started writing books. They teamed up. Uh, Daniel Abraham, uh, for years, was an assistant to George R.R. R. Martin of Game of Thrones. And I think I think Martin even played in their role-playing game with them, I believe. I, I believe you're right. So, like, yeah. they've got this tight connection with Martin. They started writing a book. They got a, a system down where the books are good. I'm going to just say the, 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 the Expanse books are a good series, good story arc. Uh, you know, I know it's going to be heresy for some of you, but it's a story arc. I mean, it's similar to what you would see in Babylon 5 or something like that. It's big. It's got lots of characters, lots of things going on. Uh, big themes. Uh, they're on the, what, the seventh book right now. They've been putting out about a book a year. And uh, they're, they're scheduled to do two more books. If I understand correctly, the series 
is supposed to take in the first six. They're not trying to like drag this out forever, but they want to do these six books. And as they do the series, each year of the series is equal to about two thirds of a book. So, you know, time it that way. Uh, they've been, you know, again, they put out the books, they pitched it for a TV series. It's, it was publicized when it first came out as Games of, Game of Thrones in Space. They're hoping to really get that. I've always been surprised that it hasn't had more success and a bigger audience, but I suspect that that's because uh, I, guess I just think sci-fi has not done a good job of publicizing it. I have to say this, though. Sci-fi for years had a reputation for putting out kind of schlocky stuff. They've done good stuff in the past. But they went through that period where they were putting out, you know, Crocagator versus Megasaurus and all those kind of things. Uh, this is a quality production. I believe, and we'll discuss it tonight, I think you've got some interesting characters, good writing, good special effects, and a good story arc that's going someplace. And an interesting world. I mean, to me, I like the fact uh, this got a lot of uh, attention because... They're not perfect about it, but they actually take some attention to physics and science and, you all know, highlighting differences that you get from being out in outer space. So with that, I'll be quiet for a few minutes. And if Brian wants to throw something in, go ahead. You know, when I, I first read the book a few years ago, and actually, I think, can I, uh, I think I talked to you about it. I said, hey, these are pretty good books. And, uh, <coughs> and, uh, but it's it's unusual that somebody writes a uh, and I'll call it a space opera, but but they write it within the solar system. Usually, it's this great star-spanning thing with hundreds of aliens and things like that. And for the most part, this was limited within the solar system. Uh, books try to stick pretty close to the physics, and then we found out the series is going to come out. Didn't really know what to expect, uh, and then watched the series, and it was like, wow. I mean. Uh, you know, they, they pay more attention to real physics since really, I, I don't think anybody since Babylon 5 has, to be perfectly honest. Um, and, um, and it's, 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 it's a very expensive series. And that's part of the problem right now with the sci-fi channel is the expense of the series. Um, but it is a, uh, it's, it's pretty much of an epic. It has a lot of characters. Uh, the TV series has actually introduced some characters earlier than the books did. Uh, Avis Rolla being one of those, even though she's a fantastic character, one of my three favorite, probably. Um, and, uh, they've done a nice job. I mean, they've, they've condensed a few characters, uh, from the books, uh, but for the most part, they've stuck to the intent of the books. And, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, but it is, uh, it is as hard a science as you will ever see in a TV series. It is very political. Uh, in the sense that, you know, Ken, you laid it out. You've got Mars. You've got the, uh, the, the basically the, the, the folks who live in the asteroid belt on the moons of the various, uh, uh, outer planets. And you got Earth. And, uh, and it's a very, I mean, and, and then, then there's an X factor, uh, the proto molecule, uh, that gets added into that. And, uh, with that, uh, all kinds of things, things result. But, uh, you know, to me, uh, you know, the characters from the book, uh, they're not exactly uh, what I envision. I mean, I think two or three of the characters are pretty close to what I envision from the books. 
but uh, I've gotten pretty comfortable uh, with the people playing the parts. I mean, to me, uh, Miller is what I saw in the book. Uh, Avisarola is pretty darn close, and I was very concerned because she cusses like a trucker in the books. And if you watch the stuff that you finally gets out on uh, Amazon, things like that, she cusses like a trucker in those too, which is great. Um, and then, uh, obviously, Steve and I will, will go into this no doubt later. Uh, Amos. Uh, Amos, to me, is probably 10 years younger than he is in the books, but uh, I'm totally I'm totally bought into to Amos, the character, uh, in, in the series. In fact, I, I just... He's my favorite character. I'll make that real clear. So it's a great series. Uh, Amazon looks like they may pick it up. It's because uh, I should know this. Who is the richest man in the world? Uh, Jeff Bezos. Bezos. Oh, Bezos. He was pissed. They probably didn't have the rights to this to start with. Uh, He is a huge fan of the show. Uh, And let's just be honest. He could take uh, about 30 seconds of uh, his income. And basically pay for this show in perpetuity. So uh, if he wants the show, I don't know how much influence he has over the the folks at Amazon Prime, but if he wants the show, he'll have the show. I'd I'd like to jump in and just throw out one other thing, which I thought was interesting about it, which, again, getting in the weeds. But again, I said, you know, Daniel Abraham and Ty Frank are the writers of the books. They're also writers on the series, the TV series. So although there's other people, there's a big team of professionals that are doing the writing and production of this thing, you've got the people that wrote the books in the process with the freedom to adapt it and blend it and introduce people earlier or late or you know, combine storylines, which is nice because when you're trying to convert a, a book into a series, it doesn't work. And as a contrast... You know, a thing that's gotten lots of press over the past few years is Game of Thrones and how, you know, they, you know, George R.R. R. Martin has sort of been in the back, you know, he's not involved directly and they're having to sort of make stuff up just to like keep the story going. It's very rare that you allow the writers of the book to be this involved as these guys are. And, and with that, I, I would agree with you, Ken. I think it's, it's, even though they've changed things, they've combined some characters and you can kind of recognize who those characters might be that they combine. But it's stuck, even though it's different, uh, it's stuck awfully close to the, uh, intent of the, of the books. And, but I, I don't think that would have happened. But for the fact that they've got the, the writers of the books who basically, hell, they're doing most of the screenwriting from what I can tell. So. That's very exceptional. Jeff? Um, Hey, thanks, guys. I was turned on to this by you guys. I didn't see it, I think, as as it was uh, coming out. I think I caught up to it later. Um, When I heard about it, the first thought was, um, since the Sci-Fi Channel was going to be um, producing it, my first thought was, this will be lucky to survive season two. And... When it got picked up for a third season, I was I, I was just shocked because Sci-Fi does not have a great track record of basically promoting, supporting, uh, pushing their their original content and products. And I've done a little bit of reading about this, and you know, it's getting about about a couple hundred thousand viewers shy of a million viewers for this, and something that they when they when they when they did the contractual agreement for this they they were looking i believe for a, a certain number of like viewers like live viewers and they wanted a certain number for that and if they could hit that number then then they felt it was a success not people that viewed it 
over the course of a week, uh, you know, through other channels. And I think they wanted to, you know, include all the advertisement and uh, things that they could get for that. And since that didn't happen, um, something about their contractual agreement basically expired or couldn't be renewed or something. And so they, they basically had to give it up. Honestly, I'm, I'm very happy with Amazon hopefully going to pick this up. Mark and Brian turned me on to another series on Amazon, which is done extraordinarily well, which is Bosch. Um, that, that may rival for me, um, the shield or the wire as, you know, one of my, you know, police action drama shows. Um, Amazon has done an incredible job with that. The, the, the amazing draw for me to the expanse and Brian, you said it, it's, it's an expensive show because, and it looks, the thing is, it looks expensive. It is absolutely gorgeous you know we are all big fans of b5 yep watching b5 now especially that first season it's it's pretty rough it's almost tough i think to get somebody in into it now because the first season is so rough um but this you know i was watching one of the more recent episodes and they had to get well i guess last episode and they've got a guy that's basically doing some sort of race through the Saturn rings. I, I rewound it just to watch just the, you know, the, the, the minute or two of him flying through Saturn's rings because it's, it's gorgeous. It is just absolutely gorgeous. It's a great show to watch. You know, we talked and we talked about um, alien and uh, aliens. And we talked about, you know, one of the draws to that is the lighting and the the scenes that is the way that they use shadows and lighting and everything. It's just a gorgeous movie to watch. And this show is it it is done extraordinarily well. And I really just like the visual side of this. We will get into actors, and I think Steve and I strangely agree. They I, I'm sure they casted this just fine. There's just a lot of, there's a lot of downtime for, there, there's, there's a lot of feelings that are talked about in this show. And it, at times, just drags the show a little bit more than it, than, than I would like it to. Um, just because we have to have a big, long conversation about feelings. Um, there's some great themes in this, in this series. And, and one of the main ones, especially in season two, which I think we're going to get to, um, one of the, the main theme is trust. And it's not a theme. I think that is explored a lot. It might be explored in a sense between two people, maybe, but what they do, the story is great. And the story is, uh, you know, this group coming together and it's kind of an ensemble group. They all have their strengths and they all support each other. And, you know, trust is a central element to this group. And when it's broken, it, it doesn't heal, you know, that episode by some sort of, you know, you know, event that's going to, you know, galvanize them back together. I mean, trust is something that is earned and, and, and needs to be taken care of. And it, it, I think they do a great job of, of illustrating that, you know, these, these, these core group of people are together, but 
but you, 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 there's, there's a code that you need to live by and you need to agree upon. And, and I, and I like how they have developed not just the politics in the bigger, in, in the solar system, but between the group dynamics. Uh, and, and I think that that is, that is a strength to this show. And then again, in the third season, which we're not going to talk too much about, but the, you know, outsiders are brought in and, and it's not. It's not like, hey, welcome aboard. We're on the same team. It's like, wait a minute. We've all, we still all have our positions and, and you know what? You're not part of the group and you can't just force your way in. And it was, it almost reminded me, Ken and Brian. I know where you're going. (laughs) There was a, we, we, we played a role playing game called Traveler and there was a, a pivotal night where, where this came all to a giant crescendo. It is what it is. It almost feels like a role playing game at times. Well, and I this, get that this, whole role playing that, that you know the design. The, this this came out of role playing because we've been there in this environment. I mean, hell, I mean, you know, playing Traveler, we could have we could have role played this damn this this whole system here. Um, and and it was you know I mean it it really you know once I saw the those episodes it it made me think of our of our role playing sessions and the intensity that those became at times well that was a thing when i first saw this and i'll, I'll back it i'll back it up even farther the first time i watched firefly on tv i turned i think mark and said like it's a you know he says like what is it i go like it's a traveler group that's what firefly is and it's the same thing here it's a you know, it's recognizable as a set of, as the beginning of the show is, would be the beginning of a science fiction role playing campaign. And again, listeners that haven't played any role playing games, you're thinking these geeks, these nerds. I mean, but hey, we know what we're talking about here. It feels just like it, but you're right. It, it's been interesting to watch the characters interact. And like you say, the gaining and losing of trust is a major issue that's going through here. And I love the way it's been treated. It is a big deal, and uh, I mean, obviously, you know, we're talking about a particular. Well, I mean, one perhaps the biggest thing was was with the was uh, Naomi and the turning over of certain information, uh, and it really affected the group, and affected, by the way, her relationship with Amos uh, to this very very day uh, in the thing. But uh, look, I mean, th- these are almost the prototype. You could take it and look at a. a a, a, a fantasy group and say like, you know, uh, you know, the leader is a paladin because uh, he's always going to try to do the right thing. Uh, you got uh, Amos, who's like the, you know, I don't know what he would be, but he basically is a role, you know, he's a mechanic in this particular case, but they, they're specialists. You have a pilot, you have a mechanic, you have uh, an engineer, um, and then you have the leader, you know, um, and, you know, again, you, if you transfer it over to like the, the fantasy side, they would be something on the fantasy side. But they, they all serve very distinct roles. And that's what they do. But they're very integral. You know, they're uh, apart. They're, they don't function quite as well. Together, they, they're uh, an interesting machine. And what I found interesting too, Ken, was in the book, uh, th- there were some tensions very initially in, in this that didn't really exist in the book. Uh, and, you know, they, they got along a lot quicker and a lot faster than they did in the show. And I actually think the show probably, that was probably to the show's credit, uh, where they just didn't automatically get along. You know, uh, they had to kind of figure each other out and get together. And by the way, you know, I'm backing up. I knew that the 
the doctor character was not going to make it. But what a great character. <laughs> uh, I mean, what a great character. But you know, well, I, I'll, I'll stop before I give away too much. A, a strength of this, I mean, I think it's a strength, but I'll let you guys discuss it. These guys have no problem interjecting supporting characters, minor characters, and sometimes even going off on whole side stories that have nothing to do with the main characters in the book, but it's something they want to highlight or something they want to show is going on or went on, uh, background for characters. Uh, and so you gotta, you gotta sort of watch things because you don't know who's gonna turn out to be important or not. And, also, sometimes you'll think somebody, hey, this is a major character, and all of a sudden, boom, they're dead, or they're on a slow ship to the other side of the solar system. Well, again, I, I'll, 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 I'll quit distracting, but one of the things in the book that's significant, and they, they don't really show it in the, in, in the series, and I've heard people, reviewers and so forth, saying, like, well, why didn't this happen? Why didn't? In the book, even with the Epstein Drive, which is this revolutionary in space drive, Shit was taking months to happen in the book. I mean, they weren't just jumping on a ship and a week later there. No, that, like a month and a half later they were there. I mean, these stories span, you know, two or three years in, in actual time because you just can't move that quick. So this is that the series gives the impression they jump on a ship and boom, they're at Jupiter. You know, I mean, no, it took a long time and. Orbital trajectories and where you could get to and all that kind of made a difference in the book. But the book, I mean, these guys aged a few years. It just didn't happen. Like, I mean, you get the impression story, like I said, you know, we'll, we'll be out there in a couple of days. No, a couple of months. And that's the way it played out in the book, uh, which, again, was part of the reason I like the book. I understand you can't do that in TV. Uh, but I've had people who were even reviewers that liked it that said, like, well, I don't understand why this is. No, I mean, the deal is, is is that the book they they very or in the movie they very much condense the timetable because you, 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 again you just you can't really do it that way where you know you got freaking what's his name showed up with a beard because he's been on a spaceship for three months to to get where he's going to go just Steve well thanks Jeff <laughs> <laughs> I know you guys have been going on long and I I will say this I I agree a hundred percent this is a beautiful series to watch I mean from a sci-fi standpoint. Um, it has everything that you want in a hard sci-fi type movie. And I know what Jeff is saying. And you know, when you, when you try to look at this, I know we, we have a lot of love for B5. Yeah. You can't compare this to B5 in terms of the visuals because, well, shit, B5 is, we're talking close to 30 years ago, right? 25. 25 soon. years. So CGI was just really coming out. And yeah, it's by today's standards, it's, it's horrific. But I'm going to say this. The, the difference is the reason that I don't probably have the same much love for this series. And it's not because of the story, because I think the story, the plot, the politics, I love all that stuff. Honest to God, I just, I just can't get into any of the characters. I don't like anybody. <laughs> I mean, there's none of them that really appealed to me whereas like in b5 i mean there were so i mean there were some of the people that were in that show that i had no use for um and i won't go into details but i mean there were some of them that were just horrible actors didn't care for the care but the vast majority i i just i i love the characters they were just is you know 
cheesy or whatever that you want to call that show at that time, the character development and the story plot and everything about it was just spot on. There's something about this series, and I don't know if it's and, – and, and honestly, I do know what it is. I think it's the actors. They're, they're, they're not doing it for me. They're not blowing my skirt up. None of them. Um, I don't have any, I mean, because there's some, it's like, I don't like you, but then again, I don't like you either. And I really don't like anybody. It, it's kind of this weird feeling that I get off the show. And it's kind of a bizarre thing where I, I like the, I like the series. I've been watching it. Um, I haven't watched season three because when I heard it got canceled, I didn't even buy it because I'm like, well, shit, I forgot. Well, now that I know Amazon's picking up, I'll buy it. But I've been watching it faithfully, but it's just one of those where I'm kind of watching it in a little bit of the way I was kind of watching Sons of Anarchy. And it was in that sense of I'm watching this show because I'm kind of getting dragged along. I didn't like anybody in that goddamn series, even Sons of Anarchy. It's like, actually, I want you all to die. All die. <laughs> yeah. Which they pretty much did. Which they yeah. did. And it's like, I didn't like anybody. It's like, you all need to die. You're all bad people. I'm not, and I, I would sit there going, why am I watching this fucking show? But, and, and I'm not saying that in, in the same sense here, uh, because these, I mean, well, some of them are bad people, but I, I don't, none of the actors are compelling. I guess that maybe that's the thing. None of them are compelling. There, there's no Jakar. There's no Londo. There's, there's no one that's giving me any depth of feeling here. It's just almost kind of like they're reading lines a little bit. There, I just don't feel anything here. I mean, and, and it's weird because I love the show and I love what they're doing because this is a really good sci-fi show. The, 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 uh, like what we talk about, the hard sci-fi. This is what, you would expect it's not Star Trek. It's not flashy uniforms or whatever. This is kind of what we think about when we talk about like role playing and traveler or reading a Jerry Purnell uh, or a Larry Niven novel about you know military uh, uh, military sci fi. This is probably what we're looking at. This is not like five hundred years in the future. This is maybe a hundred years in the future. You know, it's, about, it's supposed to be about 200, 250. Okay. But you're right. Yeah. The technology it's, it's, is not, gee whiz, again, it's it's not beyond understanding. It's right. very accessible. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> this is, I mean, this is not something that, we're not talking about beam me up Scotty type of tech. This is pretty basic technology where it's like, yes, I could see us being here in 100 years. But again, the, the, the thing of it is, I do like the show and I'm glad Amazon's picking it up. I just, like I said, the... The actors leave me feeling a little flat. That's 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 basically my biggest beef about it. Um, there's really no one here that I'm rooting for. I don't I I don't know what and it's weird. I don't know why. I just don't know why I feel that way. It's just there's no one here. I mean, there's some people that I like more than others. Um, I mean, I'll give you an example. The um, oh Christ, um, Alex. Miller, uh, who? Not to Thomas Jane? I don't know. Well, Thomas Jane, I mean, I like Tom. Well, see that? Well, spoiler, we won't get into that part, but it's just like, <laughs> okay, well, there. 
Well, no, let's put Miller. That. I mean, he's in the first year. Well, he was in the first season. It was like, well, they're just part, they're, they're part of my reason for not wanting to watch the show anymore. Um, he was actually, I he was my favorite. After that, he's kind of a, a, a side character, but the only other really guy that I would say is likable or that has a personality that is Alex, who's the uh, the pilot. Agreed. Yeah, I like him. And the only other one that really is um um uh Colonel Johnson. I just yeah. there's something about him that I just there's it, it, I don't know, maybe it's just that I think really what it really boils down to, guys, is um uh, there's only a couple of guys or there's only a couple of people in here that are really good actors. I think the others are kind of reading lines and and, and, and well, maybe and, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. It's just that's what I feel about it. Well, I mean, Londo and Jakar is a pretty high standard because, yeah. But I mean, th- those guys, uh, I mean, those guys really set, you know, lit, lit that show up. They really did. I mean, you know, to this day, I mean, I, I, I can listen to a speech. From, hell, I'll listen to a speech from Londo and get teary eyed, you right. know, some of the stuff he did in that show. But you do have, I mean, for example, Sheree Agdeshlu, I think may have pr- pronounced that wrong. She's an Oscar, Oscar nominated actress. Um, you know, I, I, I love her. I mean, obviously, my in order, my favorite character is Amos, Steve, Steve you know, just grimacing. And I love that guy because he captured the guy out of the book. He's younger, but he captured it. And then probably next is Miller, and next is uh, is uh, Christian Avizarola, uh, the, 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 UN, the UN person. And because I just, I, I mean, to me, She's a scene stealer, by the way, as far as I'm concerned. And she's a hell of an actress. I mean, from every sense of the word. Um, I, again, but those are my three favorites. The, I mean, Stephen Strait, who plays Holden. Holden, by the way, in the books, is an insufferable guy in a certain sense because he just he's Dudley freaking do-right, you know? Um, and, 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 and Brian, Brian, not to interrupt, but that's exactly <clears throat> why I don't like him because and, – and maybe that's it. Maybe that's part of the thing is that he's actually playing it right because – it's like Jesus Christ, lighten up, Francis. That's- he's actually he's not as bad as in the book, and I like the book. Don't misunderstand me. Yeah, but to me, he's more nuanced than Holden in the book, as far as I'm concerned. Which sounds bizarre. Correct me if I'm wrong, but when you look at the actor, that Stephen Strait, does he not look like the guy that plays plays Jon Snow in um, Game yes. of Thrones? Yes, doesn't he? It's often. Often said. I, honestly, God, when I started watching this, I'm like, no, the, guy, yeah. the guy's doing two shows now? I, honestly, I thought it was the same guy. Yep. He was in uh, the 10,000 BC or whatever. It was like one of his first movies. He's like a uh, – first, I think they really screwed up by saying this is Game of Thrones in space. It's not. It's not. You know, no, it's I read not. the books. I thought, that's bullshit. You're making a hell of a mistake. Don't pitch it this way. First off, it looks like you want to be a wannabe. And you don't want to be a wannabe. You want to have your own goddamn thing. You know, excuse my French. And so to me, that was a mistake right from the beginning. And having read the books, I'm like, this is, this is nothing like, nothing like Game of Thrones. You know? Uh, so no, I thought I, that was a mistake. It was a marketing ploy. It's all it was. Yes. Yeah, that's all it was. And there was a relationship with the writer. I mean, a lot of this had to do with the fact that George R. R. Martin is closely tied to these guys. He's a big buddy. And I, and I think they thought that might play for something, which God knows why. Sorry, Ken, it looks like you may want to say something here, Jeff, but yeah. yeah. 
but I, but I thought it was an error. I thought, you know, that that's a bad idea. Don't go down this direction. Um, cause this is not, this is not what it is. You know, it stands on its own. It's a hell of a series. Um, you know, people want to say it's the best thing on science fiction, sci-fi since Battlestar Galactica, which everybody knows my feelings about Battlestar Galactica was like, first few shows were okay. Then it basically was, uh, it, it, they jumped the shark that they have a plan. Well, apparently the fucking Zylons had a plan because the goddamn writer sure as hell didn't in that series. <laughs> but, uh, here we go. Sorry. I'm done. I, for a, I a think moment. I got maybe, maybe, maybe two episodes into that. And, and I never, ever watched that thing again. I, it didn't capture me. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I could I, probably have a conversation about Battlestar Galacta. I did watch the entire series. And, oh, wow. Uh, yeah. You I watched too? the series of Lost, too, didn't you? No, I, I gave up on Lost. At, at, oh, did uh, you? Oh, yeah. Oh, shit. I never. I think I gave up on Lost. I don't know how many seasons it was, but I think there were three more, and I gave up before that. When they got off the alley, I'm like, okay, I'm done. That's what they were supposed to do. I don't know what the <laughs> fuck you guys are doing now, but I just. I'm sorry, Galactica was. It started really strong. I think and so. I thought it was going somewhere, and I really liked it. But Brian's right. They didn't know. They did not know where they wanted to take it, and they just sort of meandered around, and then just said, "Oh, well, we better wrap this up," and boom, it's done. It, yeah. it was very disappointing. It was. I think they were surprised Again, at the success. I think it was successful. It was fun to watch. I mean, in terms of visuals, and they had interesting characters and good actors and all. Uh, but yeah, it was disappointing. Here, you know, I, and this is the thing that. Anytime you go online, you'll like there's there's websites that talk about the expanse, but you've got these two groups of people. You have the people that are just watching it as it is, and then you have the people that watch the books. And we're running into that tonight, where it's like, well, we watched the books and or we read the books, and we know that such and such, and you know, he's going to do this, and this is going to happen. What I get from the books is the fact that okay, there is a deliberate good story arc coming if they and they're they're pretty much sticking the story arc but they're tweaking the characters they're adding drama they're trying to make it more punchy for tv um but on the other hand they're also deviating from the books so um that keeps my attention i'm not going to sit there and say like well i don't need to watch this episode because i know what what you know holden's going to do this time like no you don't uh they're going to do something different but it is a case where we, we have a relatively small core group and then we have a lot of recurring people that come in and out and have their little bit pieces and all. Uh, I think one thing that is a little off on this, maybe, maybe I don't know, I'll ask Steve, maybe this is a little bit of his thing with Okay. I think we're trained. If you're watching science fiction, you know, science fiction shows that involve a spaceship flying around doing stuff. The captain is always the main character. Here, the captain is just one of the guys. And he's not the main character. Uh, I mean, he's important. But the story always has several locations or foci or whatever. So he's never like the key. It's not like Captain Kirk sitting in his chair or Captain Picard saying, make it so. I mean, Holden's just the guy and they don't all agree all the time and they go off and they do their own things. I mean, and I think that's kind of weird because I think we're used to the idea that the captain is in charge. 
Well, I, I mean, I see where you're coming from, and I don't, I don't really see it that way. Like I said, to me, it's, um, again, I, I think the storyline is great. I love the politics. I think it's, it's very deep because I think a lot of people in, when they look at sci-fi, are looking for, they're looking for space battles. They're looking for stuff to look like sci-fi. When you're watching this show, kind of same thing when we, you know, we talked about Firefly. You know, Firefly really wasn't a sci-fi show. It was a Western in space. Um, I mean, everybody really kind of looked like they were in the old West and occasionally you saw a spaceship. So I think that's what threw people off about that. This, um, you're in space all the time for the most part. And I mean, you do have that feeling that it is a sci-fi movie. Um, again, with me, it's just, I just, there's something about the actors are not delivering something for me. And I don't know. I just, I, I, and and I'll, maybe I have to watch season three because it, and correct me if I'm wrong, not to give spoilers. I mean, am I going to start learning a little bit more about what the hell is going on with the, with the, uh, the proto molecule? And that oh. freaky thing that destroyed the whole uh, Mars and <laughs> Earth. Yeah, Brian's over there laughing. So, because so it's I, the fun part about reading the book, Steve. <laughs> okay. So that's just it. I think part of it is, and, and maybe that's just it. I, I get, and, and I think that's the thing. I think there's a lot of people out there, when, especially when it comes to sci-fi, they get a little impatient. I hear you. They wanted to start knowing answers. And that was a thing. And be honest with you, maybe it was. Maybe it was from watching Lost. It it jaded me. Or maybe it kind of conditioned me a little bit because it was getting to the point where I'm like, okay, all right, I'm in I'm in season four. I, I want to start having some fucking answers here. And I'm not getting any. And then season five. And I'm not getting any answers. All right, I'm done now. Because now it's just to the point where it's like I feel like I'm just like it's like the carrot stringing me along. It's like all right, fuck this, I'm out. Because that's what at that point you're telling me you don't actually have a story. You're just dragging me along for the ride. And from what I've and and I've never seen the end of Lost, but from what everybody told me is yeah, you got to drag along for the ride. I'm like, oh, no, it, it's, it's, it's fucked up right to the end. Yeah. And that's why I'm like, I'm glad I got out. I'm glad I got out when I did. And I lost pretty much yeah, whatever it is. Well, I binge watched most of the loss, but that's okay. That's the thing. It's like, I'm not saying, I'm not saying I'm like instant gratification, but, but do not screw me around and drag me along for, you know, two seasons where there's like all these little hints and all this stuff. Like, I need to know what the hell's going on here a little bit. There, there's resolution. Okay. You'll learn more about the characters. You'll learn more about what's going on. And things will get resolved. Okay. You know, people will get their comeuppance. Big things will happen. And because, again, since Brian and I have read the books, we, we know what's coming. We're not going to spill the beans and say all, right. you know, give away all the stuff. But... A thing I like, I'll just say about the characters, I mean, I, I'm hearing what you're saying, I understand what you're saying, but I do like the, I don't know, just just what the characters are. I mean, you've yes. got, again, you've got, uh, you know, Thomas Jane, who's probably one of the more accomplished actors in this show, but he's, you know, he thinks 
that he's this hard-boiled private eye on the case. Yes. And he's really a drunken loser. <laughs> but you, 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 but you know what? What's brilliant, Ken, is in the book, you kind of figure that out when he finally gets told that he is. And same thing in the movie, in the show, you're like, yeah, you're just a loser, dude. But <laughs> you, you, you're kind of looking through his eyes, which I think is brilliant. Yeah, yeah. But again, he thinks that's what he is. You know, you got uh, Jim Holden, the captain. He's essentially a, like, you know, like Brian said, he's a Boy Scout, Dudley Do-Right, slackerish guy. Yeah, he's a slacker. But he's forced to take action and be a pretty bad guy. And he hates it. You know, you've got, uh, you know, Alex, the pilot, who is actually a likable guy. And he was that way in the books, too. Uh, just a solid guy. He's got his own problems and issues and all, but he's, he's, you know, he's probably the, you know, most solid in terms of us being a good, you know, if I had to work with somebody here, he's the guy I'd want to, you know, be on a team at work with. Right. And, and I think I think he reflects the book very well, both in how I visualize him and how he acts. For the yes, record. yes. Uh, you got you know Naomi, uh, the engineer. You know uh, the one thing I'll say about Naomi, and I, she's played by Dominique Tipper, who's a, an English actress. Uh, Hot. I think this a thing in this story, which they do a good job sometimes. Actually, most of the time is. The people out in the out in the asteroid belt, you know, it's, they've been out there long enough. They've got their own accent. They got this unique way of talking, and you run into all these Belcher characters in the show, and they all have this accent. And then she's running around like she just got out of London last week. So uh, she can do the accent when she wants to, but she just doesn't do it consistently, which kind of bugs me. Yeah, but she, her what? character is a person who. Well, she did a lot of, she was very active in nefarious activities in the past. She got out of it, but she can't help but get back in. Well, and then you've got Amos, who's essentially a pretty bad guy, but he wants to be good. And he tries to be good, but he's a pretty bad guy. He's trying. Well, Amos is a Amos dick. is trying to be a good, he's trying to be a good man. Yeah. Hey, he's, Ken, he's like uh, the Samuel L. Jackson guy in Pulp Fiction. I'm trying real hard, Ringo, but yeah. you know. Hey, Ken, when you talked about um, uh, Dominique's character, you know, with the accent, you almost wonder: is it one of those things where she has she's trying to lose it? She's trying to talk differently because she doesn't want to be. She doesn't want to sound like a belter. That I think that's a part of it. She's again. Yeah. She's trying. She is trying to. When the story opens, she's tr she's gone and deliberate trying to get away from her past, the people right. she hung out with, and just get away from all the stuff she was doing for reasons which we'll find out. I'm not going right. to you know spill all the beans. But the thing is, she'll pick it back up. And I'm again not giving any big thing away. But when you start season three. Or once you get into season three, I mean, the episode I'm watching last night, it's like she's she's gotten away from this group, which is a sort of a cosmopolitan group that, you know, from Mars and Earth, basically. And she's hanging out with some belters. And once she starts hanging out with the belters, she's got the accent. Which yeah, is but, sort of but, like me. I mean, I can have this Hoosier Hick accent that comes out. 
if I'm hanging around with Hoosier Hicks. But yeah, I don't I don't pick up a Southern twang when I go back home. Yeah. Ever. <laughs> and then the other the other person I think that has a really interesting I mean just fun to watch is uh again uh Chad Coleman's character uh Fred Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. And he's you know he's again another guy who came out to the outer belt to like get away from his past and the bad stuff he does and he's trying to he's trying to do good stuff, but he's Again, pretty bad about doing it. He does a lot. He, of- he's a good dude in the books too. I mean, Steve, you talked about how you like the character. Yes. He's a very. I liked him in the books, but at the same time, he's a tough guy. Well, he, uh, he's, Coleman, he's sort of like. He's sort of like. It's it's like I'm, I'm going to get all literate, but he's sort of a Machiavellian figure in a way, but for a good. He's his his the the ends are good, and they they were in the book. I thought. Now I pictured him as a, you know, Coleman is a great, he's a great job as an actor, but I pictured him as this really cut kind of, you know, ex-colonel sort of, he's an African American guy in the books as well. So, you know, Coleman's a little more portly, you know, uh, so you didn't quite see him as, but he plays the role the same way. In in terms of characters, by the way, I I did not think, uh, I gotta be honest, of the main characters, uh, Naomi is the one that I least saw as Naomi in the books the way I saw her. Uh, but that doesn't mean I don't like her. I do. Uh, one of the interesting things too in this series is they had some actors, apparently. The guy that played Evan, uh, what's his name? Oh, shoot. Uh, he's kind of the bad guy. Um, um, shit. Um, Damn it, I can't think of his name now. But he's he's he opposes Christian. He was so good, as I understand Wright, it, when he was Aaron doing Wright. the show. What, Aaron Wright. The actor, as I understand it, was so superior when he was doing this that they basically expanded his role because he was just did such a great job. And I will tell you another guy that, to me, is just brilliant, brilliant, is Jared Harris as uh, Anderson Dawes. Because that role in the book is is, frankly couple of blinks and you're gone. To me, I mean, honestly, out of other than Avisrola, when Aunt, when uh, Jared Harris is in a scene, I'm glued to it because well, and he's, he's and, and you know, I mean, he's Richard Harris's son. son. Mm-hmm. He's got great presence, and he's got he's a menacing guy. He's he's got that he's that affable evil. Yeah, but I honestly I don't think he's evil. I think he's a patriot. But, but, well, that's, that's part of what I like about this show, Ken. You can look at these guys. You can totally disagree about them. That's a very interesting point. When you look at this show, and I enjoy shows or, or books where, you know, the, the white hat, black hat storyline is, I mean, that's, that's really easy to, to tell and wrap your mind around. But when you have a lot of gray characters whose motivations may be different, but you at least understand, you can, you can see that they have an ideology or a belief that is different than yours. And they may lean a different way politically, but you know that what they're trying to do is get, you know, get to the, get to a solution that it's, it's just different. It's not bad. It's not whatever. It, they just, there's just a different position and they're going about it a different way. 
Um, you know, I, I, and I, I don't want to get into a Marvel conversation here and I go ahead. The most, the most recent movie, you know, there's this bad guy who has a, you know what? He, he's doing something that he feels is right because of where he came from, that he saw the results and repercussions of not controlling population and what that led to. And he feels that what he's doing is the right and the best thing. Of course, the rest of us have a different view, you know, can manifest destiny. It's, you know, you know, not, you know, we, we, not everybody, you know, we don't need to have half the population die or whatever. Um, that's not a spoiler because, you know, it kind of is, if you've been painted any attention to the trailers or anything, you, you get that, you know, I, I enjoy those stories where, you know, you have to look at, okay, I, I, you know, kind of around the character and say, all right, this isn't an evil character. He's not going to do what I would do, but I see his point of view. I don't have that point of view. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I'm wrong to say that he's evil. I mean, you've got a lot of gray people doing their own thing for their own reasons, and you got to respect it. Well, the, the the Aaron Wright character in the in in this series, maybe not so much the book. Aaron Wright is a product of Azrola, Azrola, who says Earth first, Earth first. We have to protect Earth. And right. it starts out the very first episode. She's torturing a dude, you know, and and so Aaron Wright's like Earth first, whatever the hell it takes, Earth first. And he carries her her idea you know, to the extreme. Uh, but in the end, I mean, he even said it at one point in the TV series, you made me, you know, I just do what you've always said. And so again, all these characters have a reason to do what they did. I mean, if there's a point in time where you're like, okay, dude, you just took it way too far. Yes. But, but we've seen that a lot in, you know, whatever. I mean, we've seen that in, in shows where it's, you know the protege, he he under he sees the the road, but he doesn't understand the mission. You know he's like, okay, we're going down this road, and I'm going to get us there, and I'm going to lead us there. But really, you know, you don't under you don't really have the spirit of what's going on. Like and, and I like that. I mean, I like how you know, I, you know, the you've you've got two sides of the same coin, and it's 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 smart because. You know, I, I don't want to get in a political discussion, but you know, pick whatever topic you want to, and, and you you can see both. I can see both sides of things, and I get where people are coming from. I could categorically disagree with them, but I get it because some people live in a very very utopian type of mentality or world, and you know, I might live what I feel like is more of a grounded reality, and. I understand your point of view. I understand you want things to be this way, but that's just not the way that it works. And for it to work, you have to get 100% of the people to get behind you, and it just doesn't happen that way. And I think that these movies do, or these shows do a good job. That's what I really like. I think there's a lot of smart writing here. The politics, you know, Babylon 5, you show me a story or a show or a book series that has better politics and just interconnected workings between characters in that show. I, I, cause I want to see it because I hands down. That's why I think we really, at least why I, I enjoy Babylon five is the, they, they layered in so much intrigue and politics and intertwined everything so well. It's very involved, but I don't think it's complicated. 
And I think they did such a good job with it. Same thing here. There's a lot of different, there's a lot of different characters in this show mm-hmm. and these three seasons that they've had, and they've come a long way in three seasons. And when you, I mean, along the way, you're introduced to a lot of people and you, you know, you start to see, well, you know, here's what their alliance is. And really, you know, we're, we're all for our team, but we also understand we're all humans and we're all, we're all, we, we, this is what we want. This is what you want. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to do, I'm going to have some restraint here and doing what I need to do. If you're going to do what you're going to do. I mean, uh, this most recent season where, you know, you've got a, a, a lot of conflict going on. I really, really impressed with, you know, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of give and take back and forth. There's a lot of, you know, don't, you know, you know, put the gun down and step away. There's a lot of, you know, shoot first, last questions later. I mean, there's a lot going on there and it takes a, you know, an episode or so to wrap your mind around, okay, well, this is, you know, what, did this have to happen? What could have happened? You know, what, you know, what's going to be the repercussions now? Um, it's very smart in its writing and its storytelling. And that's, that, that's what I'm, as you said, Ken, is stay with it, Steve. You're going to, you know, a lot of answers, a lot of questions are going to be answered. You're going to see some things you want to see. You're not going to see some other things that you want to see, but give it time because it, it does develop just like in, just like in Babylon five, it, we didn't, we didn't get to season three like that. And that's one of the reasons why I felt we loved it was it, it took its time. It told a story, it wrapped things around. But I, also, on the other side of that coin is I get Steve's point of view of these. I'm not the, the actors aren't really helping me connect to the characters as much as I'm connected to the story about the characters. That well, hey, the, that's it's like it. the shadows. The proto molecules is not the shadows, but it's like the shadows in the background of Babylon Five. You just got to kind of wait and see how this plays out. And it's Jeff, not lost. We're lost with just a freaking nightmare. But the shadow thing kind of came together, you know. Jeff, you pretty much nailed it. I mean, that's how I feel. I, I, I love the story, but I'm having – it's just the actors are just kind of dragging me along with it because I, I do. I it, It's the same thing. It's like, you know, if you had a Londo and a Jakar and, um you know, a, a Richard Biggs in there or a Garibaldi, I mean, it's like all those guys – I mean, that was really what drove Battle on Fire for me. I loved – Almost everybody in that show because of their their, their characterization, the, the actors that they had and they're playing those roles. It's it's almost like you weren't even watching people acting. This was no, this is just how they were. Well, I mean, shit, Doyle, Doyle, that's pretty much he that's was Doyle. That, he, that's exactly <laughs> who he was. He wasn't acting; he was just playing himself. So, I mean, and you know, you you look at. You know, Londo and Jakar, I mean, they just, again, they were acting, but they were, I mean, these were seasoned actors. These guys have been doing this shit for, you know, years. They were great character actors that had a chance to do leads. Yes. And it was, it was just wonderful to watch. And again, as cheesy looking back as that show was, it was compelling. You just, you got sucked into it. You got drawn into it. On the basis of the people that were in the show. Yeah. Well, no, I will say the actors here are a more uneven mix. You've yes. got some that are pretty new, haven't had that many roles. And then you have some that have a deep bench. 
Yeah, uh, you could you could make the argument that Babylon Five was like watching a a, a live Shakespeare play, where people can. I mean, it, it, we always talk about this on TV. You kind of blink an eyelid to to show what you're thinking, but in stage, you got to go out and you got to throw yeah. your arms up and do that kind of stuff. And that was Babylon Five. You know, I mean, it was it was very they were very dramatic in certain parts of it, but it was a very dramatic show. You know, what was going on there was huge and i you know and you could say it's hammy i i don't but but it was great this is to a certain extent uh, it's a lot more nuanced i think um i think in terms of the the, the presentation but the fact is is look i, I love babylon babylon 5 babylon 5 you know it, it's the freaking pedestal to me um and this ain't it but this is the best damn thing i've seen since then i think i mean i, I think mean, it is would you say that Babylon 5 is our, okay, your generations. Um, Lord of the Rings to me. It is, it's, 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 let's just say it's our generations to like the, the next generation right below us who's, who's, um, who was endeared to, and of course we are too, um, it, it was their Firefly. Firefly just, you know, unfortunately, Firefly was not a great, I mean, it, it was not this great thematic thing. It was just these fun little travel episodes put together that we loved and adored. Would you agree with that? Yes. Yeah, I would agree with that. But if if you're talking about a, you know, to a younger person, you know, that, you know, I mean, there's a lot of younger people out there who were, you know, just devastated when fire, because I think of the potential that Firefly had. To right. go down that road, you know, there's a lot of younger people that you know, you know, that are brown coats to the core, um, that weren't around for Babylon Five, that are just diehard Firefly fans, right? That that is, you know, we were that sort of when we found out that Firefly that went well, that Babylon Five was canceled, you know, we we, we, we there was going to be some rioting in the streets. <laughs> uh, it, it was, I mean, it was. I mean, that's back, you know, that's back when, you know, TV stations still ran it. And, you know, you know, I mean, you know, I'm surprised Channel 4 was not burnt down with pitchforks and torches. Um, <laughs> but we saw in this, uh, we saw kind of the same response. And I was glad to see it when they announced the expanse was going to end. There was a lot of people that rose up and. You know, and and just were were pissed off, and you know, and voiced their. I mean, t- it took about ten days, and you know, Amazon of course came in and was just like, "Yes, we'll pick it up." Um, Did you see that the, a bunch a group of fans pooled their money, hired an airplane to tow a banner iron. around over the Amazon headquarters, saying yep. "Save the Expanse." Yeah, <laughs> paid four thousand dollars for that. Well, you know, the thing of it is, is that this is really what we've talked about before about sci-fi. Sci-fi is, it's very niche. And there's different parts of sci-fi that appeal to different people. I mean, you've got the Star Trek thing, which, you know, everybody goes to watch Star Trek. Because you got spaceships, you got laser beams, you got all this stuff. And then you've got the more hard sci-fi, the more nuanced sci-fi, like, Expanse or um, uh, Firefly. And I think the thing of it is, is that you've got all these, sci-fi is just, it's just a different niche. 
you've got to be able to appeal to a certain demographic. And I mean, when you think about it, I mean, we've talked about it before, like with Firefly. I mean, that's, you know, in a way that was like Jerry Purnell's world. This is what, okay, when we go out mm-hmm. into the stars, this is what it's going to be like. It's not going to be, you know, you're not going to be transporting, you know, multi-generational factories or that. It's basically going to be the Wild West again. Air rat. Yeah. It's, it, that's what it's going to be. It, that's what, because you're basically colonizing. It's like, you know, when, when the, you know, when the Brits or the, you know, the English came over here, it's like they didn't start with London. They started with, you know, a little pissant colony and they had to build it up from there. That's what it's going to be if we ever colonize somewhere else. We're not going to be transporting cities and factories and everything. It's going to be, it's going to be pretty barren. It's going to be pretty much like what you saw in Firefly. Well, I, I, I've got to say, I think this show does a very good job, especially showing the asteroid belt and outer planets and how yes. the people live. They make it real clear from the very get-go. I mean, these people are seen as their resources. They're out there just to produce wealth yep. and materials for the people the, the people that really matter. They're oppressed. I mean, you see all these little instances of just oppression. And, and so you're going like, you know, the fact that these people are rebelling and scheming and all, you're going like sort of like right on, do it. I mean, right. I, you know, and I, I want to ask you guys a second because one beef that I've seen about this show is there's a lot of people that are put off about the politics and the, the time that's taken to just, you know, show the inner workings of what's going on politically or at the big high level. I love that stuff. But do you see that as a detriment? I think it's a, I think it's a strength. It's a strength if you are not one of those instant gratification type people who, you know, need need things to happen if you just can't allow things to develop. You know, I mean I I don't I mean I, I want some bang for don't get me wrong, I want some bang for my buck. You know, I want you know, I, I want to, you know, I want to see, I want to experience things. Uh, I mean, you know, nobody wants to watch The Young and the Restless, right? We need to see something going on on the screen. But I'm fine with story and things developing. There, there's, a, there's a, but there's a, there's a group out there that they do, they want, they want Star Wars, and they want the flash and the chase and the bang every episode, all episode long. Well, that's to us, that's not, that's not what it's about. You know, we've we've alluded to you know some some great sci-fi authors who tell these very compelling stories in, in in worlds that we can wrap our minds around. It's not it's not high science fiction. It's it's reasonable, realistic science fiction fiction in you know the 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 near future. You know, I remember when I was you know you guys turned me on to some sci-fi books. You know, and they were talking about you know rail guns and mass drivers and it's like oh my gosh this is what is this stuff this is crazy science fiction well it's oh, 2008 it it's 2018 mm-hmm. and and the navy has these weapons right <laughs> i mean as theoretical as some of that stuff was back in the 60s and 70s i mean this is you know we thought that was just wild stuff well guess what it's 2018 and let me tell you we're not traveling the stars or heck we're not really traveling anywhere we're not even going to the moon and and we've got this technology that people dreamed of. And, you know, so so now you have this, you know, and I think it's great that, you know, we're just dealing with our solar system. But there's a lot of stuff going on. And, you know, space travel is is not, it's not fast. I mean, we're not talking faster than light travel. We're talking, you know, 
you know, there's no hyperspace. There's no, you know, there's no warp speed. It's, you know, you've, you've got to travel through space. And that's one of the things we enjoyed about Babylon five. I remember Brian saying, you know, Hey, you know, physics works in this world. You know, it's, it's, it's not like dog fighting in space like with star Wars. I mean, you know, if, if, if a ship needs to turn around, I mean, it's got to do a full 180 and turn on its thrusters and move yep. Yep. to slow down and go the other direction. You know, it was, I mean, it's that type of stuff, you know, and, you know we're never going to get full realistic physics, you know, cause we don't want it. We don't really want it. We don't want, you know, you know, there's no noise and sound and fire in a vacuum. So, um, you know, we, we, we need to have some sort of, you know, entertaining sound to go along with it. So we need the explosions and thruster sounds and all that stuff. Well, we just fought. The, 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 the first time I saw a fighter spin around and shoot going backwards in Babylon five, I was, I was sold for life. I thought, uh, you, you I, couldn't this stop could talking be the about shit it. Series, but I'm watching it. Well, but, yep. but, what but we, when you what, watch, when you watch a ship to ship fight in the expanse, I get the same feel i think like this looks right well how many times are these ships going backwards slowing down decelerating which usually it's like full speed ahead you know no they're 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 turning they're going rearward and they're, they're thrusting away to slow down to be able to fight and perfect i mean i'm sorry guys but real quick i, I think one of the things that happened to us was when babylon 5 came about nobody had done, at least at that time, a grand theme, a, a story that would that, that was told out over years. It had a great story behind it. Star Trek was episode to episode. Star Trek Next Generation, episode to episode. Uh, I think the uh, Deep Space Nine became a bigger theme, but honestly, to, to say it wasn't influenced by Babylon 5 would be a damn lie. Uh, but... But in the in the night in the later in the early two thousands, there were a lot of there was a lot of serial TV that came on that had a theme that started out and was going somewhere. Now some of the places it went to are like bullshit, like Lost. But I, <laughs> I do think that generation got used to seeing these thematic shows that that it started here and was going to end up there. But Babylon Five was the first. It was the first. So I would argue, I would argue that this generation is used to that. And I would argue that you've got a show here that it's not Babylon 5 in a sense that it's not the same story, but it has this great story that it's telling, and you got to see the whole thing. And I do think there's a patience for that if enough people see it. Yeah. Um, and you got to, you got like so many times, you got to pay attention. I do want to make one little, <laughs> for some reason, I think when Jeff was talking, it's popped in my mind. This show, to me, I, I've, I've been watching, you know, three seasons. It features airlocks and the effects of going out the easy way versus the hard way <laughs> more than any show I have ever seen. <laughs> Would you agree? It, it's an OPA ritual. Space them. <laughs> there is, there's so, like every other episode, throw him in the airlock, out he goes. Oops, sucks to be you. <laughs> <laughs> Your life is pretty worthless out in the belt. But it, and that's a, but that's true. Again, if you read the books, these people are seen as disposable cogs out in the belt. It's unhealthy. They're exploited, and they they have a right to rebel. But then life sucks on Earth, and there's a problem on Mars too. So, well, I, I do uh, I do wonder. I mean, again, I, I'm not trying to draw any any uh, reflection between contemporary politics and the show. 
But I, but I, you know, there's something that happens this season where somebody says, if you want to, if you want to be a great nation, we have to act like a great nation, you know, or something like that. And, and again, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to say anything negative, but I guess I, maybe I am indirectly is that there's a lot, certainly in the West, there's a view of, of a lot of the, the radical Islamic side of things. And, uh, I kind of wonder if some of the sympathy, not, not sympathies, but if, if, if they're not trying to make a point, about the uh, the belters kind of being those you know being this downtrodden and again I'm not look I'm not trying to make any political judgments here but I but I wonder if there's not you know they're not saying like hey these are these are like the folks out in the Middle East who you know not the not the sheiks or anything but the, the downtrodden folks and you know maybe life's worthless but that that's kind of the way it is and well and again, I, I don't I, too, I don't want to dig too deep into that but what when, when I look at the people in the outer belt and the OPA, which is their, mm-hmm. you know, organization, the rebel group, the one that I think best fits historically is the IRA and Ireland. Yeah, you know, no, the Irish are seen as just low lives to be exploited, and you know, and the IRA fought. But a key thing is, you know, the IRA was not like this unified, cohesive body. It was subgroups fighting amongst themselves. But that that's a common thing. But you are right. I mean they're trying to show that they did a good job of showing that hey, hey, these people are oppressed and you know, Earth and Mars are exploiting them and hey, you gotta do what you gotta do. What I like is the this is believable as far as who's gonna go and work in the asteroid belt, right? People that are I mean they're going to there's gonna be the allure of, you know, you know good money you know they're gonna you know you know they're gonna put the serious sell on you know on on those people that they need to go out and work hard because look it's not going to be any of us we're not going to take that risk we, we don't we know it's not worth it to us but to some other people where that you know that that money that's gonna be dangled in front of them it, it that's that's their chance for a new life but we know just you know you know i remember in college you know seeing these great advertisements for you know Come work on a boat in Alaska. Make $30,000 in a month, right? It's like, holy cow, this, 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 you know, I could, I could do that over the summer. This sounds awesome or whenever it was. And it's like, you know, once, you know, my mother explained it to me, it was just like, oh shit. No, I, I have no desire to go do that. None whatsoever. Well, and, well, you know, and, and, you know, there's this, you know, there's this kind of romantic allure, you know, come work in the belt and, 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 and make a difference and, you know, provide all this stuff for, you know, your, you know, the people back on earth. And when you get out there, it's, it's, you know, you are exploited and taken advantage of and, you know, and, and treated like shit. You know, we've seen this time and time again in history. So well, 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 I want to throw out a thing that just hit me, which it never, for some reason, it's escaped me all this time for listeners who always run out and watch the shows that we recommend or review. The Expanse is Outland. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It, it is. It's well, a Outland, movie. It's a TV show version of Outland. You're right. Yeah. Well, but, but well, I, the I would say the, the difference is, Jeff, you can go out on that shrimp boat and make 30000 But once you're out there, your calcium leeches from your bones, all this and that. And then you have kids. Guess what you can't do? You can never go back home. And then you might have made a shit ton of money when you were out there. Your kids are fucking stuck. Yeah. They can't go back. That's yeah. when the exploitation starts. 
because now you got all these people out there. They can't go home. They're stuck. Well, we'll pay you whatever the hell we want to pay you now because you ain't coming back. Right. And that's I, and a good I, point. That's kind of what happens is, you know, all the first guys go out there. Hey, man, we, we hit this asteroid. We made it rich. Shit, I can't go home. I got three kids. They'll never go back to Earth. You know, they can't go back to Earth. And then all of a sudden, everybody's like, oh, we got you out here now. You ain't coming back. Guess what we're going to pay you next week? About a third of what we paid you the week before. I think listeners can tell we, we, we actually think through this stuff and we, we, I at least appreciate what goes in. I can, and I got to say, I will step in. I understand exactly where Steve is coming from. It's just, I view it differently. I'm okay with the characters and who plays them. Uh, I, I also recognize that some of these folks are pretty new and inexperienced and that shows. Steve's but just the missing story, the brilliance that is Amos, though. What? Steve's just missing the brilliance that is Amos. I'm just saying. Oh, I swear to God. Go ahead, <laughs> I'm serious, man. You're missing it. It's brilliant. Now, although Jeff still thinks uh, I'm crazy because, I mean, I still think Naomi's pretty hot. Poodle. Hey, Naomi is pretty hot. <laughs> oh, I'm with you. I'm with you, Steve. See? Oh. She's not to me. But I, I absolutely understand why. I mean, honestly, and I and maybe it's my my somewhat older age, and I love Abizrola. I just do. I love her. Well, it's because she again. And the thing about the she you know, reminds you of your truck stop days. That's, that's it. it. That's right. She just finished two packs of Luckies and a bottle <laughs> of Jack. But, you know, take thirty years <laughs> off of her. Take thirty years off of her and get her in a tube top. Well, she might need a little help there. I admit that. But get her in a tube top with the cigs. I'm I'm back home, boy. I'm back home. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, guys, let's move on to uh, one of our favorite parts of the show, and that's going to be Brother What You're Drinking. And uh, Jeff, you know what? Why don't you kick this one off? What do you got? Thanks, Steve. Um, tonight, I um, I tap back into my, uh, my homebrew, and it's a uh, cherry porter. Um, the uh, CO2 is, I can't for some reason adjust it at all. And so uh, I'd have to, you know, spray about, uh, you know, th- four ounces in and then wait for the head to go down and spray uh, another four and wait for the head to go down. That's what she said. Um, I, I even brought a new, I even bought a new regulator and I, I can't get it to, I just can't get it to work. Um, I've even got it all the way down. I just, I don't know what the hell's going on. Anyway, a um, lot of, a lot of CO2 in there, but no, it's, um, you know, I'm, I think I'm nearing the end of this keg. So I'm pretty excited because, uh, I thought I did a solid job with it. Looking forward to the next, I think I'm going to do some sort of like oatmeal type stout or chocolate stout or something. So cool. You're making that sound good. You're making a chocolate stout in the summer. What the hell's wrong with that? Um, you know, it's like, you know, I, I have this conversation uh, often. It's like I'll eat chili in the summer, right? Yeah. Because because I can. Um, <laughs> nobody's turning down coffee in the summer, right? True, Everybody's true. still drinking that. So true. you know, because I live in America, I can make a coffee ch- a coffee stout in the summer. Damn it, America, America, damn it! All right, nice. All right, Reverend, what do you got? Yeah, you know, I just still wrap my head's wrapped around Jeff talking about regulators in the head, and I just keep thinking about when I, when I scuba dived in Cancun, and I, I, you know, I mean, I just can't get away from that. So, <laughs> but hopefully, no nitrogen bubbles are involved. But uh, anyway, oh my God, um, <laughs> Jeez. 
you know, being a family man that I am, yes, uh, <laughs> I uh, I was at Bubba's tonight drinking uh, uh, what was I drinking? Uh, water and lemon. Uh, and then when I got home, and since I'm everybody's here, uh, I'm not doing anything that I can declare because I, otherwise I would get detained at the border. Oh man, <laughs> the hell is going on here? Well, I am, but I'm not. But I can't say it. All right. Well, Move here on. we. All right, that's it. All right. So what I've got um, is a a growler. Would you, hold on. God. Damn it, would you stop? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Corbin is growling down there. That's he is true. growling. He keeps never. So actually, this is a, a, a beer that I wanted to uh, showcase uh, a couple of months ago. It is from a, uh, a brewery in Whitestown called Boontown. Uh, they have fantastic beer. Muncie, they got a porter up there that will put hair back on your head. I'm telling you. <laughs> it's... Unbelievable. So anyway, uh, I am drinking right now. It's a King of Troy. The King of Troy. It's called the King of Troy. It is one of my favorites there. The port of that you would like is called Into the Void. Okay. Yeah. So you have to go up there and get some of this. It is. It, it will be. I, I trust me. It will be the best porter you have ever drunk. It, it will be the best. So is it called? Ever. Is it called Priam? Ever. King of Troy or what? No, this is called the King of Troy, the one I'm drinking right now. It's basically just kind of like a little bit of a, a wheat ale with a hoppy kick to it. Like it. It's very good. Very refreshing. And I got a growler of it, and I've been knocking that back all night, if you can't tell. Uh, so, tell. yeah. And uh, let's see. And last and certainly not least. It's now time for Catching Up with Ken. My darling, All right, Ken, what's up? What I know got? it's been a while, so I'll go fast. I'm not going to you know, hit everything I've done, but uh, some of the highlights. A couple weeks back, I had my Ken Ben 17, my 17th Ben party, where I get about 50 people and cram them in my house. And it was a good turnout, lots of good people, uh, fun time. I keep, you know, I, I think I invited you all, and none of you showed, which made me sad. But. I, I, I was sick. I know canceled, don't. canceled a tournament. That's true. I, I had a kid in town. I think I told you that. I know, but still, it doesn't change. It. <laughs> uh, well, I last night I was dealing with problems in the basement. You'll be on the list. You're off the Christmas list. Uh, <laughs> went up with a group to see the musical Hairspray up at the theater up in Carmel. Ate dinner at Mimi's Meatballs. That was fun. Went to a. Uh, what meatballs? Mimi's meatballs. It's a restaurant. Restaurant up in Carmel, and also there's one on Mass Ave. Really good. It's a, you go in, you order all sorts of I custom was, meatballs. I was down there last weekend. Okay, you don't agree. I like it. No, is that uh, kind of like burger, hamburger, hamburger? Meatball, meatball, meatball. No, it's, it, it's like you order meatballs. You can get different types of meatballs with different types of you know meat you can get vegan you can get uh, beef you can get pork you get turkey you can get a combination and then you have you have a series of uh, you have a selection of like sauces now they have eight or nine sauces 
and you can get them in different uh, different displays. So you can get them in like a like a hoagie type of thing. You can get them as a slider. You can get them as individuals. Of course, they have a series of size, including the the uh, roasted Brussels sprouts, which is always our go to. Hey Jeff, uh, Jeff, chicken, Jeff, chicken meatballs. Jeff, uh, this Hi, is this is Ken's sorry. show. Oh, sorry, I. All right. I've always dreamed of catching up with Jeff, but Jesus Christ Almighty! <laughs> uh, yes, I had a uh, an event called Blonde Turns Twenty. Uh, a friend of mine runs Blonde Entertainment, the big music booking group that does all the bar bands around town. And it was their twentieth anniversary for a business, and had all the bands playing and all. Went to a dinner, a, a Napa Valley themed dinner called Live in the Vineyard. Uh, a lot of food, local, you know, chefs flew in from out of town. The entertainment at this event, it was just at a friend's house, but the entertainment was provided by Emerson Hart, who was the lead singer of Tonic, if you remember Tonic from back in the 90s. Oh, yeah. And then last weekend, I flew out uh, to Washington, met up with a friend Elizabeth out there, and we went to Baltimore to see the Preakness races, and then... Much hanging around until like two o'clock, enjoying the nightlife in Washington those nights. Uh, last night I went to Rick's Boatyard for my bar of the month gathering. Sorry. And tonight I went to Revolution down at Fountain Square. And one thing too, you guys were talking about beer at lunch. I met with uh, my friends uh, Shannon and Chris, and Chris was talking about how much fun it was before his uh, wedding. A group of us went on the beer bus. You charter the beer bus. You drive around the various brew pubs. He says, like, we need to do that again. And I said, yes, we should. So we're probably going to do it in July, and we'll. We, it's a bus. It can hold more people. So I'll just throw it out there. If you want to go on the beer bus, let me know, and I'll get you in. And I was, I've was i been drinking uh, vanilla Crown Royal and Diet Coke here tonight. So I'm done. we got to move on. Nice. Very well done. All right. Well, there you go. That's uh, what, brother. What you're drinking and catching up with Ken. We are now going to move on to um, a modified top ten. Ken, you've got something to uh, tell us about. Well, the top ten. Well, I talk, you want me to talk about the top movies? Top movies or yeah, I yeah. can. What top man actually came prepared for this? Oh, because uh, this this series came out in 2015. Mm-hmm. And so I'll just give you the top 10 movies out of 2015. There's actually several that were pretty good, I thought. Uh, number 10 was The Martian. Love that freaking movie. I haven't seen Steve, it. Steve, you got to watch the damn movie. Speaking it's of hard movie. science fiction. He can't get past Matt Damon. I mean, you got to get over it, man. Can't. Does, can't. does he, does he like, die in like, the first five minutes or something? Because, okay. Just imagine it's not. <laughs> Pretend it's not Matt Damon. Okay. Yeah. It's a damn good movie. Okay. Mm. At number nine, we have The Hunger Game, Mockingjay. Not a damn good movie. Sorry. Yeah, I was not a fan of The Hunger Game. Scott pitched at me. It could be great. I don't know. Could have been. Got chicks Uh, in At number eight, Mission Impossible, Rogue Nation. Oh, we didn't do that. I have not seen it yet. No, we have no. Rogue Nation's pretty good. It's actually it? really pretty good. I just haven't seen it yet. I mean, I, I wanted to go to the movies and see it. I just never made it. Yeah. It's, See, it, he, it's, is, he, he is my Matt Damon. Oh, wow. Really? I like. I, I thought it was a solid movie. I was yeah. entertained. 
It's not as good as uh, uh, Ghost Protocol, but it's it's pretty good. Okay. Uh, at number seven, we had Inside Out, three uh, D, you know, comedy aimed at kids, basically. No kids anymore. Kids. At number six, Spectre, James Bond. You know, I've never seen that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Great title. Yeah. It yeah it is, but too. it's. Yeah. It was not the best of the new batch I, I, of uh, Daniel Craig. I, I will say this. Okay. Just, I mean, and you guys know I am a, I am a, I am a Bond fan. I love Bond movies. And really high hopes. I mean, when I saw Casino Royale, it's like, dude, how, how do you guys top this? You, they didn't. They didn't. Well, actually, you it, know what? I liked, the, I liked the next movie. I did. Oh my God! No, no, that no, no, is no, the no, worst. No, 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 no. I like the one uh, where uh, where where M died. Was Sky Skyfall? Skyfall. I like that. Now that I look back after I saw Spectre, it's like okay, Skyfall's not as bad as I thought it was. <laughs> um, I mean, that's how I'm starting to rate him. It's like, uh, ooh, yeah. so yeah, it's um, no. I, I I I stand my ground on those. I I consider myself uh, an aficionado on Bond movies. I challenge anyone to uh, critique me on that. Ken, continue. At number five, another cartoon, Minions. Never saw hmm. it. At number four, The Avengers: Age of Ultron. Not as good as the first. Nah, not as good as the first. Yeah, yeah. See, right. I, I see. I quit watching cartoons when I was like thirteen or something like yeah, that. Yeah, but you go to Disney every year. Yeah, I don't watch cartoons over there either. You can't help but. Uh, oh, it had the Vision in it, which I love the Vision from the, my days watching comic books. But it was not that great. Yeah. Well. But, yeah. Okay. Uh, at number three, we had Furious Seven, one of the Fast and Furious series. I've never seen a single one of those movies. Me either. They just don't. Uh, and I'm a car fan. Yeah, uh, they just don't light my fire. I'm not. It's not aimed at me. Uh, at number two. No, so, you, so you're, 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 you 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 have a couple of neurons that still snap. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, I'm an old fart. Is what I'm saying. At number two, a movie I saw at the drive-in, Jurassic World. Well, I could tell you what I saw at the drive-in, but I'm here we go. Uh, moving on, then Jurassic World. It it wasn't original. I mean, again, they're beating this to death. I know they're successful. I kind of liked it, but it was certainly not original. And He's got number Chris one, his name. He's fun. And number one, speaking of things that aren't original and beat old themes to death, Star Wars: The Force Awakens. Move on. Terrible. That's it. That's number one. Terrible. So that's the top ten movies of 2015. God, it was a terrible year. Oh well. Hey, you know what? That Star Wars. I saw something today. Uh, Solo, the best Star Wars movie since uh, what's the last piece of shit? Uh, oh wow. Uh, <laughs> the best Star Wars movie since this. And somebody's like, "Are you freaking kidding me?" <laughs> it's like saying it's like. 
It's the best uh, surgery I had since I had my appendix out. Oh, <laughs> great. <laughs> but but bring, bringing the story back to uh, the expanse, you know, Amos would use Jane's skull as a drinking cup. <laughs> no, no. Did I write that? Because I, I thought that. You did. Oh, God. No, Amos is a... Amos is a badass, and the thing is, you understand about Amos, he he really does want to be a good guy, but you know, like he 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 is an open book. He's not trying to impress anybody. He talked to Amos Road about how he wore high heels, just for the record. Yeah. You might remember that. Uh, he's not trying to impress anybody. He's just fucking Amos trying to get by, and he's looking for somebody to tell him the right thing to do. And when he has to make his own decision, well, he'll make his own decision. He will generally not kill you unless somebody tells you to. But push comes to shove, and he's got to make a call. The best option is got to kill the motherfucker. Yeah. But he will. He is a so. And that, well, there is all through this. All of the characters have moments where they act as comic relief. They all occasionally do kind of funny stuff or have fairly funny lines. And Amos is one that, to me, is had more fun. I've actually listened to the actor who. Uh, but the guy who plays Amos was at a convention, and a buddy of him said, hey, I've been reading this book. It's called the It's called uh, Leviathan. And he picked the book up and was reading the book. He gets a call. <laughs> hey, we're doing this new show. And, and again, he didn't know what part, but he's totally into the book. And but I, I listened to him talk for half an hour about Amos and you know what he thinks Amos's deal is and Amos is he and Ken you and I kind of know the background of Amos and where he came from and what he's been through and Amos is to a certain extent I mean he's 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 a he's not a child but he's childlike if that makes any sense because he will tell you anything he will tell you like hey I can't make my own decisions I need somebody else to help me. But I got to make a decision. I hope I make the right one. And but he's really trying. To, he's he's trying to be. I, I'm not lying. He's trying to be a good man. But you know, like when the dude pulls the gun at that one scene, he blows his guy brains out. He's like, he he even says he goes when the guy pulled the pulled the gun. He goes, he just killed himself right there. And he was right. I love him. Love that guy. Love that character. All right, there you go, folks. We have uh, talked at length about the expanse and in detail so for those of you who have never seen the show or never heard of the show you can go out there you can find it on guys amazon amazon, amazon. so yep. go out there and see it i mean again don't take my word for it i mean you've got a lot of other uh, i'm i am the minority in terms of uh what i feel about this show and again don't get me wrong i do like the show i am not enamored with the actors uh, you guys might be. I mean, obviously, Brian loves these guys, and Ken seems to like them. Jeff, on the other hand, who's snoozing away over there, seems to uh, somewhat agree with me. But somewhat. somewhat. There, there's limits to, to anything. Yeah. And agreeing with you, I, I do it under heavy reservation. But There you go. So, anyway, no, it's, it's a solid show. You have to definitely go see it. And um, Amazon is supposedly picking this up, and I think the ink is almost dry. So it's definitely worth seeing. It's a very good sci-fi show. Highly recommend it. 
so there you go. And again, my heartfelt apologies for not having a show last week. We were supposed to do Dogs of War. I was trying to do something special because we had we had some uninvited guests that I wanted to uh, uh, <laughs> share into share in the uh, the joy of podcasting. And good lord, I don't know what the hell happened, but the the sound. Well, called. at one point he pulled a Steve Michaels and was face down on your desk, passed out asleep or something. Well, there was that part, but yes. that was um, anyway. That part didn't work out okay, but. Uh, we will not be doing that again. We will be coming back with more high-quality shows. <laughs> Keep the riffraff out of your basement. That's we right. will. Yeah. I'm building a wall. It's going to be huge. It's a beautiful wall. <laughs> Just got 10 feet higher, right? <laughs> Just got 10 wow. feet higher. There you go. So there you go, folks. That is it with the, the Man Cave Movie Review, where our episode where we talked about The Expanse. Um Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and our um, website at mancavemoviereview.com. And we will be back with another great and fantastic movie to review. So this is Are we me. giving a rating? What? Are we giving a rating? <laughs> no, we're not getting... Yeah, well, all right, fine. Give it a rating. Go ahead, Brian. I'm just asking. I'm go, trying. Go Steve, ahead. Steve, you had a fucking procedure here, and now you, 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 you know, I'm a guy that needs goddamn discipline. I thought you knew that. I need structure. I need structure. Do you see what I go through, folks? This is what this is what this is what running this show is all about. There are goddamn rules. There. Are. All right, go ahead. Give it a rate, real quick. What's your rating, Brian? What you're asking me? Yeah, you. <laughs> I give it a nine. Nine, Ken, give it no, a rating. TV for TV. Boy, for TV. Okay, for TV. Now we, now we categorized. I'm mirror Brian. I give it a nine. Jeff, I give it an eight. Eight. Period. Eight. Period. Seven and a half. There you go. That's all our, good ratings. That's our. They're, they're solid ratings. You guys will like this show. So that's me, Ken, the Reverend, and Jeff signing off. Until next, until next time, ciao. Ciao. <laughs>